Hello, it's Danny Howe back with another episode of Tales from Southern Indiana. This one's somewhat of a continuation on the story of the last uh, episode about a mob going wild in 1906 in a little bitty town of Olytic in my uh, county I grew up in over untoward remarks being made against a dead person. And there's a subsequent much longer article that appeared that explained a lot about what this is, and I really don't know anything more than just to read parts of it because you, you, you can't paraphrase it and have to make it any funnier than it is. The headline, first of all, says, Determined mob patrol Olytic streets. This would take like five minutes to patrol the Olytic streets. And drive a prosecutor and a marshal into exile. They don't mean sending them to another country. They mean sending them uh, uh, maybe a mile away to the next town that was adjoining it. And, that, and the subheadline says that um, the town council was dragged from their homes and forced to fire the marshal. <laughs> and wild scenes drove women almost to hysterics, and they pleaded for their men's lives. Well, all right, there you go. Well, what it turns out to be the, the dead man, uh, his name was William Etheridge, and uh, he was living at the home of the deputy prosecutor. He boarded there. And so the cause of Mr. Etheridge's death was a carbuncle on his neck. Uh, file for future reference, the dangers of neck carbuncles. Um, <laughs> Etheridge was not known to have any relatives, but it appears that he was well-connected, having relatives in Illinois and Kentucky. In one, one single sentence, this is a complete contradiction. All right. When a search of the dead man's effects was made, no money was found. It was alleged that he was an industrious man who was frugal, and therefore he should have had some money on him. But it was discovered that, that he didn't, and that gossips were responsible for a story circulating that alleged the deputy prosecutor had stolen the money from the man's pockets. And the, the, uh, uh, this caused Mr. Etheridge's uh, death to, uh, to occasion some, they call some sliding remarks by the deputy prosecutor, including an allegation that he said the old fool ought to have died long ago. Whether or not he really said this, according to the paper, the report stirred the citizens. All day, men gathered in knots on the corners and discussed the affair. (laughs) The the, the man, insisted that the man be arrested, the deputy uh, prosecutor, and so the town marshal did arrest him on the charge of using profane language. Apparently, the old fool was profane language. And he was fined $1 and costs. What outcomes of the costs are. And this, however, did not serve to appease the demand of a large portion of the Olytic citizenship, and the feeling was augmented when the marshal thereafter severely clubbed a man that he was trying to arrest. This has no relation to Mr. Etheridge and his death. This is just someone else the marshal happened to club that the people in Olytic didn't like. Towards night, feeling began to run high, and when the town council met, <laughs> a, 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 a large crowd was standing outside it. And the, the notion was at this point that they were insisting uh, that the town council fire the marshal immediately. And so the, so the mob went to the meeting uh, at the town council, and they were told that um, they would have to fill out a written request, which, which they were in no mood to do. And they gathered in force, and now there were about 200 of them, and 
dragged the town council members back in to their meeting and forced them to fire the marshal, which, which they did. And uh, they were called by then a howling and indignant mob. And it, 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 it continued for some time uh, after that to try to appease these people. They went to the home of the deputy prosecutor and told his wife that if he returned there that he would be lynched. And ultimately, uh, it, it, it dissipated because the deputy prosecutor did stay away. And they did something to try to calm people down. It's not really clear. I suppose, you know, large amounts of, of uh, barbiturates would have, would have been appropriate. I don't know. At any rate, so this was a, a fuller version of mob violence in 1906. And then in the same year, oddly enough, there was a mob riot in my hometown of Mitchell. And the headline says, Mitchell Toughs, Tough Guys. In open revolt, official bad men get busy. This, this is there was a a police officer named Cheek of all things, and he encountered a a um, I guess a a local volunteer cop who was asleep, and he told him because he was asleep that he was under arrest, and this upset a gang of bad men who congregated in a nearby saloon. And they set up a fake fight to draw this police officer, Mr. Cheek, uh, into a certain area where they could assault him. And it says they, they tore his hat and shirt uh, into shreds. Cheek, however, was game, even in the face of great odds, and industriously wielded his mace with telling effect. Not a few of the gang were given headaches made to order. <laughs> and then, after this happened, uh, Cheek walked to a store, purchased a new hat and shirt, return to the scene of the riot. So there, he, was, he really was game for uh, continuing to enforce law and order. And the newspaper then editorialized that it's time to give Mitchell a lesson. Wipe out the town's deadfalls and drive from the community such people as took part in the mob violence. And the quicker it's done, the better. And then at the end of the story, there's a, a filler. These little papers had little spaces left that they had to stick any sort of news that they could find. And so this is from Jerome, Ohio, and it mentions that 32 people who ate pressed chicken sandwiches at the Ladies' Aid Society picnic were saved by doctors who worked over them for several hours with stomach pumps. The chicken had been allowed to stand for two days in 10 receptacles before it was consumed. So there's a, something to think about the next time one attends a charity dinner. Now, it's sort of, it, it, again, the, the craziness never ends with these, with these stories. Here's a, another article about, uh, not a mob, but a person who uh, was, a, was a accused of murder, uh, who was from my hometown. It said that a 20-year-old Mitchell man uh, called the toy gunman was being held on a $1,000 bond after confessing to a murder of a man in Mitchell two months ago. He was apprehended by police in Louisville after frightening a, a patron in a cafe with a toy gun. And he has a record of 13 arrests. He was ousted from Mitchell several months ago for assaulting a Mitchell shoeshine man. I don't remember there being any shoeshine men when I grew up there, nor do I really remember anybody having shoes that were shined. At any rate, after having his shoes shined, Blanton hit the man in the mouth knocking him down and ran. Nor did he waited until after his shoes were shined before he did this. Uh, he was caught several minutes later, and the mayor gave him two hours to get out of town. He was very appreciative of this, and he did get out of town. 
But when he confessed to this murder, the Louisville police contacted the folks back in Mitchell who told them that so far as they knew, there had not been an unsolved murder in Mitchell for years. Well, all right, so a few years at least. Meanwhile, the young man's toy gun, ep- toy gun episode, as it turned out, was not the first time that he'd pulled a toy gun on someone. Uh, two years earlier, he had threatened a Louisville taxicab driver with a toy gun. So enough of that. The menace to the citizenry from plastic pistols was brought to an end. And finally, a news item from my own memory in my hometown. The fellow who lived down at the end of the street and whose uh, various activities were actually the inspiration for a screenplay that I wrote a number of years ago. And this particular one, the headline, and you know, you hear these stories, they're like family mythology, and sure enough, in one or another of these little bitty old newspapers, you can find something about them. So the story was that the man had made nitroglycerin bombs using light bulbs and planted them around the neighborhood because he was of a certain ilk to do such a thing. And sure enough, here's the headline. Homemade nitroglycerin found in Mitchell Garage. There's a nitroglycerin, nitroglycerin file, can't even say it, light bulbs, um, brought out the Navy demolition uh, bomb team from the Naval Depot. In the middle of southern Indiana, there's a Naval Depot, and I'm not sure why. It's not near any water, uh, and I suppose it would be quite a trip to bring the uh, shells or bombs or what have you that they have there to... Uh, to actually employ them on a naval vessel. But at any rate, there is a naval depot, and they had people there who knew about bombs. A dozen or more light bulbs were reported as having been filled with nitro and all mixed by this local garageman and kept in two refrigerators in his garage because apparently nitro being extremely unstable is somewhat less stable if it's kept cool. So the complete story has not been made clear, but authorities said they weren't clear either. The, uh, it said two children playing near the garage said that the garageman told them that he had two bulbs filled with nitro and the third one hidden in a secret place, which I guess he, he didn't care to, to share with anybody. He said that all the components needed to make a nitro mix were found in the icebox in the garage and he had been seen mixing nitro and then pouring something into light bulbs. And the general warning was that if you found any light bulbs, uh, that seemed to be uh, out of place, such as sticking in the ground so you might step on them when the glass would break and they might blow up, I suppose, that you probably should uh, should stay away from them and contact the uh, Naval Depot. So there you go. That's enough news for small-town America uh, for, for one episode. And uh, we'll revisit some of these stories and, and some of the f- additional family mythology that keeps showing up in the newspapers. Uh, as I work through all of these things. And meanwhile, have a, have a great, uh, great weekend, and uh, I'll uh, talk to you later.